Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Where are the upsets in week three? Not so much a matter of if, more so a matter of when and where we're going to break it all down. Welcome into the Hard Count. We are live in living color as we always are on Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. Today, though, Wednesday, September 13th, 2023, the last one in history. Let's make it an absolute great one. we got college football coming up on this coming weekend. It's a beautiful thing. We've got a lot of people that like to talk down on the slate of this upcoming week three like to say it doesn't have as much juice doesn't have as much excitement as a alabama texas or a florida state lsu it wasn't all that long ago till a lot of us were tweeting 21 days till college football and then posting a picture of calvin johnson at georgia tech like that wasn't all that long ago we were doing things like that so don't let your boys complain about the slate we got coming up here so glad to have you here we got the nothing but ball pull about to drop here in just a matter of minutes if you're new to the program what that is is essentially us telling you the top 10 teams in the country and we don't have a ton of criteria when it comes to metrics or time leading the game or quality wins or all that like we we watch college football from sun up to sundown we watch the ball we tell you who the top 10 teams are it's not super scientific it's not super mathematical it's ball and only ball and that's what we do on this show Kyle McCord is now the starting quarterback for Ohio State. He's kind of been the starting quarterback for Ohio State for a little bit of time now. But Ryan Day 
used uh, some very interesting language saying we're going to make that distinction now as Kyle McCord being the starter going forward. So no more is it Devin Brown going to be a guy that pushes to get the job by Notre Dame or any of that. Kyle McCord is your guy. How does that impact Ohio State? How does that impact the Ohio State offense going forward? Got some thoughts on that. Also, how does that impact Devin Brown? There's more to that story than I think what maybe meets the headlines, if you will. Got some more predictions for you. LSU going to Starkville, Mississippi to play the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Mississippi State won an overtime thriller against Arizona this past weekend. A lot of people talking down in Mississippi State before the season. I have my own reservations about what they're going to be. So what does this game mean for them? And and what could it mean for them as we got a little SEC West action going on? Very glad to have you here. If you're new to the show, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're locked in. It's college football. It's only college football. We don't do a ton of extra stuff here that doesn't have to do with college football. We love every other show out there. This is ball and only ball. All right, we got a really special community being built here right now. So if you're new and you just found us, welcome. We're glad to have you here. You can also find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts if you're more of a podcast person. But here's the deal now. It's Wednesday, all right? For a lot of y'all, it's hump day. This is middle of the week. College football seems a little bit further away than you'd like it to. Let's dial in. Let's dominate this Wednesday. Let's talk some college football here for the next hour or so. Let's have an absolute blast of a time, all right? We love y'all and we appreciate y'all. And let's get this thing rolling, all right? So, who is on upset alert in week three? If you've been around here for any period of time, you know that this segment that we do on Wednesdays, this is not predicting upsets. We're just kind of trying to take a pulse. It's kind of like checking the weather. Hey, what's the percent chance of upset? What's the percent chance of rain when it comes to some of these matchups? There's a few interesting ones on the slate here. Penn State going to Illinois. Illinois, 14 and a half point dogs at the crib. All right, in Champaign, Illinois. Now keep in mind, this is Drew Aller, the quarterback for Penn State. It's going to be his first real test. Yes, they played West Virginia, but that was in Happy Valley. They played Delaware. The rosters don't really match up that way. Illinois now, a Power 5 roster in the Big Ten. We've all seen Bielema ball now. We know they're going to have a solid defense. They're going to take the air out of the game with the new clock rules. If they get up on Penn State, this thing could get interesting. Again, it's on the road. I cannot stress that enough. There's a lot of pieces that would lend itself to making for an upset. Now, even so, we trust Penn State's roster. We trust what they have on defense. We trust what they have on that backfield. So we're not picking Penn State to get upset here. But in terms of chance of upset, we think there's right around a 27% chance. Not impossible. We're not predicting it. But this is one to keep an eye on. It would not shock me if this thing was close at halftime. So keep an eye on that. Now, Florida State goes to Boston College. And Boston College is 26 and a half point dogs at home. And if you're Florida State, yes, you're the better team. Yes, you're the better roster. But I hate everything about this spot if I'm a Seminole fan. It's a noon kick. Kind of sleepy. There's not much juice to get you up for this one. It's a conference game. So there is something on that roster worth writing home about. Not a lot, mind you. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, even so, it's a roster that is a Power 5 level. It's on the road. And this is the biggest part for me. This is the most classic look-ahead spot if you're a Florida State fan. Most classic look-ahead spot. Because you know what? You go to Clemson, South Carolina and play another game at noon the following week. And that's really the last hurdle for Florida State that you look at the roster and say, okay, we're, we're really worried about this game. 
before the year we were circling Clemson Florida State as maybe a game that college game day would get to or something like that I don't know if that's the case anymore even that game's lost some juice but that's the last hurdle for Florida State where you say okay that roster in itself we got to make sure we bring our A game going on the road over there but you got to go play Boston College in an annoying road spot and the quarterback for Boston College has got some dual threat ability Thomas Castellanos he can use his legs a little bit now Boston College is down bad they lost to NIU early in the year, and they also had a close game with Holy Cross. So they're not really swinging an enormous bat right now in terms of what they could do upset-wise, but you just you got to take this one seriously. If Florida State sleepwalks in there and turns the ball over a bunch of times, this thing could get a little bit tricky. Now, we don't anticipate that happening. This actually, for us, in terms of what we have on this slate, has the lowest percent chance of upset, but we had to mention it for the reasons we just did. We're putting this at a 12% chance of upset. So if you're a Seminole fan, sleep well. But I, I just, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this spot if I'm a Florida State fan. South Carolina goes to Athens, Georgia. They are 27 and a half point dogs. That is a similar line to Ohio State playing Western Kentucky. I'll leave that there. New offensive coordinator, new quarterback for Georgia going to be their first real test against an SEC roster and I said this yesterday on our live show this is like the conclusion of fall camp for Georgia they just played two nobodies no disrespect to their schedule but they didn't play anybody the first two games of the year played UT Martin and Ball State all right so they were pretty much running through whatever kind of depth chart they wanted to now though you get a real gauge for what this Georgia team is going to be how do they handle that how do they handle a team that they're supposed to beat by four touchdowns but also has some ability of their own in South Carolina like we saw last year now South Carolina they are no stranger to play an upset took down Tennessee took down Clemson they were both double digit underdogs in both those games said no problem we'll handle that let's keep on rolling now Juice Wells you hope he's healthy enough to be as effective as you want him to be as effective as he was in those two upsets a season ago but Xavier Leggett now is a guy who has been balling for South Carolina They lost North Carolina their first game of the year, but even so, he made headlines in that game with the numbers that he put up, well over 100 yards receiving. Spencer Rattler now, very quietly, looks dialed. Looks extremely dialed in. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. If they're able to just utilize that one matchup, Xavier Leggett, and there's nobody that can answer for that in the Georgia secondary, things will get very interesting. Going back to what I said about the roster, This is not a Ball State roster. This is not a a Group of Five roster. This is an SEC roster now that's going to Athens, Georgia. If you don't take it seriously, and like we talked about yesterday, if Carson Beck kind of has an ugly start to this thing and gives the ball away a couple of times, watch this game. Watch the ticker for this game and what that score is in Athens, Georgia. Even so, we're putting this at a 22% chance of upset. I don't know that South Carolina will have multiple options to try and beat Georgia when it comes to their their offensive attack. Like, you got to have more than just one punch to beat Georgia. So you hope that you have more than one punch if you're South Carolina, but even so, put that percent chance of upset pretty low. Now, here's the highest percent chance of upset on this whole slate. Northern Illinois going to Nebraska. Northern Illinois, according to the spread, it's also the best chance of upset on this, on this slate. Uh, they're 10.5-point dogs. Now, the thing with Nebraska is we saw last year, man, this was a game, not this game specifically, but this kind of game was one where Nebraska dropped to Georgia Southern. Now, it's a new era. It's a new roster. It's a new head coach. I understand all that. 
But don't think for a second that Nebraska isn't capable of losing this football game, especially if that turnover bug is still biting. If they didn't call the exterminator and they didn't get the pesticides and take care of what was in-house there with that turnover issue, they're going to have a dogfight on their hands, no pun intended, as NIU is, of course, the Huskies. Now, Nebraska has proven they're capable of giving the ball away. They're proven they've, they've able to lose games like this. But to a more specific and maybe more impactful note, Northern Illinois has shown they're capable of beating a Power 5 football team. They beat Boston College early in the year. So if Nebraska doesn't handle business how they're supposed to offensively, I think it goes without saying this this could get a little bit intriguing, more intriguing than you would want if you're a Nebraska fan. Now, Jeff Sims, Matt Rule has already said, if he is good to go, if he is healthy, dealing with that ankle sprain, he will be the guy. I think there is some portion of the Nebraska fan base that would like to see what a Heinrich Harburg has under the hood or a Chuba Purdy, what he can do. So it's going to be Jeff Sims unless he can't go. But if Jeff Sim goes and throws three picks, I'd be curious to see how they'd handle that should the game continue to roll on and he's got three picks like at halftime. So we'll see what happens there, but keep an eye on that. NIU could be... uh, could be sneaky this upcoming weekend. Last one for you. We got Georgia Tech going to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss kind of played with their food last weekend. Played Tulane, a, a Tulane without Michael Pratt, and they kind of struggled. Quinshawn Judkins had less than, I believe it was less than 100 yards. It might have been less than 50 yards rushing. He wasn't really as effective as you would have hoped he would be if you're an Ole Miss fan. Now, for Georgia Tech, the thing that scares you if you're an Ole Miss fan is Haynes King, man. He looks like Haynes King 2.0. Remember that Haynes King we saw in in College Station who was turning the football over and they get upset by App State and he just looks like he does not know what he's doing out there. He's been balling so far. Right now, he's got seven touchdowns, one interception, right around 65% completion percentage. He looks dialed in. And so to have him dialed in as a passer and also have that freakish athletic ability, that can give a defense problems now. Especially if Jackson Dart has some issues turning the football over and then they're not as effective as they want to be running the football in this game keep an eye on what could happen in this one i think that's a good one to look at if you're looking for a a cover there from georgia tech but even so put this one right around 31 percent chance of upset i don't know if i told y'all that we got nebraska niu at 38 percent chance of upset to backtrack there as well so all that's to say a lot of games on the slate here where there is upset potential Again, we don't we don't make a prediction here. We just kind of use like a forecast and give you the percent chance and we go from there. So everyone's saying it's a sleepy slate this upcoming week. They would be wrong. And I think some of those games will give evidence as to why they're wrong based on what happens in those games. Appreciate everybody tuned in live right now. So glad to have you here. Had, glad to have you tuned in. We talk college football every single day, as y'all already know. But here, we got to talk about some of the top 10 teams in the country. Now, here's one thing I will say. We do this segment live every Wednesday. But we put this poll out on my Instagram page, at JD Paquel, on Sundays. So we give you the full breakdown, full explanation. Still make sure you're tuned in when it comes to what we're talking about on these Wednesdays. But even so, man, I I would say make sure you're following over there so you can stay dialed in up to the minute with how we feel things are shifting in the college football landscape from the Saturday before. So the nothing but ball top 10, the criteria is exactly what that name says. We talk college football, only college football. That means the way that we break this whole thing down 
how we decide what the top teams are in the country. We just watch college football. We're not looking at the certain metrics and looking at, you know, different things that are so specific to math and science. No, it's ball. It's only ball. That's how we operate. That's how you operate. So that's how we break down this list. At number 10 on the nothing but ball poll after week two, heading into week three, we got the Oregon Ducks. And Oregon, man, they got some grit to them. They showed a little bit of that edge that I think you want to see from a championship level team. Beat a good Texas Tech team, 38 to 30. And there's a lot of people that are laughing at me saying Texas Tech being a good football team. I promise you, they're the best 0-2 team in the country. Didn't bring it against Wyoming. Kind of tripped over themselves. They gave Oregon all they could handle and then some. They are a different team at home. The thing I was impressed with by Oregon, each side of the ball rode to the occasion when it was required of them. Like the Oregon defense has to step up, need to stop, great. Scores a defensive touchdown to kind of put the game away. Hey, offense, we need you to go score points. They're going to get 30. Great. We'll go get 30 of our own. Like that was the kind of approach they had. And I think the the Dan Lanning persona has infiltrated this team. And he's a guy that I think is no nonsense, does things the right way. We're going to play our style of football. We're going to give you heck for four quarters. Like I think that is his edge to him. And I think that's the edge now that this team has embodied with him now being the head coach in year two out there in Eugene. So the roster and the edge that this team has under Dan Lanning, I think they're going to be in every single football game. That's the reason why you're watching that Pac-12 title race and probably feeling pretty good about where the Ducks stand as it pertains to their chances. Now, at number nine in the nothing but ball poll, got the Tennessee Vols. And I'm not overly concerned about what happened against Austin P. am not. I think that was a game you walk out there, you would have liked to have a better showing. You would have liked to see a better stat line early from Joe Milton would have liked to see them unleash the ball downfield a little bit more but even so that was a huge look ahead spot with the game at Florida this coming weekend it would not shock me at all if Tennessee just kind of gathered themselves went out and took care of business in the swamp and all things were were very so uh very much so calm in Knoxville the next day after Florida maybe not calm but they, they feel a lot more calm about their football team than how they feel right now about Austin P. If the vertical pass game starts clicking for them, Tennessee will go to Alabama unbeaten because that is the key to this entire operation. Now, I understand running the football first is what they want to do. You want to play good defense, but what could really ignite this entire thing is if they're able to hit on those vertical pass game because of what the safeties are creeping up because of what that run game demands. So it's all complimentary. I still trust Joe Milton not selling any stock because of what happened against Austin P. For us, Tennessee at number nine right now in the nothing but ball poll. Now at number eight, we got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And they got Central Michigan this week. They took care of business at NC State in a very convincing way this past weekend. I just love how they're built, man. They're so balanced. Got a tough defense. They ran the football extremely effectively with Audric Estime. But adding Sam Hartman to this roster, he has been as advertised as the quarterback out there in South Bend. And I know it was NC State. I know it wasn't like they were playing the Georgia Bulldogs. But even so, the, the, the engine this team has now offensively with him running the show is just night and day from what they had a year ago. I also love the edge they played with in this game. Like they were, they were aggressive as all get out. They get the ball with one minute to go in the first half. Old Notre Dame probably would have Ran the football a couple times. Hey, we're up at half. Let's get out of here. Marcus Freeman says, no, I got a quarterback that can sling the ball around the yard. 
we're going to go and get points with one minute left to go in this half. And that's exactly what they did. So the edge and the firepower at Notre Dame in year two under Marcus Freeman with Sam Hartman playing quarterback, paying dividends right now. Week four now, when Ohio State comes to town, we're going to learn a lot about the Fighting Irish. So I can't wait for that one. At number seven, we got Penn State. We talked about them a little bit earlier in this live show. They're at Illinois this week. It's a real defense they're going to play against. Don't panic if Drew Aller takes a minute to get going. Don't panic if he, if he walks out there and he leaves with a stat line of like two touchdowns, one interception, and let's say he's right around 50% completion percentage. Just getting a win on the road in that spot, he will be better for should they get that done. The roster around him is why I have him at number seven. Abdul Carter, freak show. That defensive line, a lot of depth. The secondary, really solid. Like the, the talent level overall, and people talk about Penn State this way now differently than they did a couple of years ago. The way they've acquired talent and consistently stacked that, we had James Franklin on the show and he told us this is the one of the most deep and talented teams I've had at Penn State. So right now, Penn State's at number seven. Great test this week, but we'll learn a lot about them as we get into November and they play teams that are actually also on this list. One of those teams being, at number six, the Ohio State Buckeyes. They got the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, the Fighting Nick Breaks this upcoming week, and they have definitively named Kyle McCord as their starting quarterback. Now, I'm just so curious to see if we see him play a little bit more free, and we'll talk more about him later in this live show, but it's very different being the starting quarterback and having a ongoing battle throughout the first couple of games and then getting the keys to the whip and saying hey you're our guy we're, we're gonna go as you go you're the leader of this football team and having that be your spot on the depth chart I'm curious if he doesn't play a little bit more free and we see them open it up a little bit more now I don't know if they're gonna open it up a ton against Western Kentucky but that game at Notre Dame just like we said for the Fighting Irish that is going to be the very telling matchup between both those teams there will be playoff implications for both those teams. Do not get it twisted. But for us, Ohio State currently at number six, they will have a chance to move up. So if you're not happy with Ohio State at six right now, that's totally fine. No issues with that if you have a pushback against Ohio State. But we're going to keep an eye on what they do in a couple of weeks here. And should they win in South Bend, Indiana, they will shoot up the rankings. At number five, a team that shot up the rankings because of what they did this past Saturday, the Texas Longhorns. They cleared their toughest hurdle of the entire season against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and it was convincing. There was nothing fluky about what happened. It was 34-24, and if they play that game 10 times, Texas probably wins seven. And that's no disrespect to Alabama. I think it's a testament to how Steve Sarkeesian has built this football team and how aggressive they were on that day and the maturation of Quinn Ewers. Like Quinn Ewers lived up to all the hype that he had coming out of high school, which is a difficult task to do. He was dubbed as like the savior of Texas Longhorn football. He was going to be the guy to bring Texas back to prominence. And I'm, I'm not into the whole Texas is back thing and neither are you. But for Texas to have a win like that at Alabama and to have the rest of their slate ahead of them, it's now a matter of Texas walking this tightrope and not having to clear a hurdle. Walking a tightrope, you're just trying to keep your balance. One foot in front of the other, eyes up, straight ahead. Make sure you're doing what you need to do. You got to clear a hurdle. You got to really muster up a ton of strength and get over that thing and find a way to have the performance you need to have on that day. That's not what Texas has in front of them. So they're at number five today. 
they keep winning, they keep handling business, keep walking that tightrope, they will be uh, a lot higher in future nothing but ball rankings. So for us this week, they're at number five. At number four, we're a little bit higher on this team than I think the majority of the college football public is right now. We have USC at number four. And the reason for that being, they have a special engine offensively. Like they do, there's no way to say it. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, one of the most dynamic offenses in all of college football. They're off this week. They're at Arizona State the next week. And then they're at Colorado. Now, don't get it twisted. USC's defense, I think, is still a work in progress. And they are building to be able to stand up in a game like that against Colorado. But they have the personnel that has improved. We've talked about that a lot. I just can't help but feel like they're going to be in every single game they play because of Caleb Williams. He's the kind of game or he's the kind of guy that can play the game where you roll the ball out and play. You may not have all the matchups. You may not have the majority of the matchups. But because you got number 13 playing quarterback for you, you're going to have a chance. He's going to make some plays that make the opposition's jaw drop. And you just say, all right, hey, tip your hat. It is what it is. Caleb Williams is that guy. And so because of that, I'm a little bit higher on USC and what they could be in this overall landscape do they have a better roster than a team like a georgia or a michigan like probably not but with caleb williams playing quarterback there is always going to be a chance for usc so for us they're number four in this week's nothing but ball rankings at number three had to look down there really quick and make sure i was saying this accurately because i don't want to lead y'all astray at number three we got the florida state seminoles and they have arguably the most impressive win of the entire college football season them in texas are probably up for that honor what they did against lsu man i think was a very very definitive and clear statement to what they're going to be the rest of the college football season you look up and down this roster i don't see a weakness we haven't seen a weakness with them when it comes to what they've done on the field either similar to what i said about texas with florida state They're no longer in this mode where they have to clear a bunch of hurdles. They got the hurdle at Clemson, which even now is looking a little bit lower based on how Clemson started the year. It's about walking that tightrope. So they're not all out of hurdles just yet, but I'm curious to see how they handle the rest of the way. Uh, The key for them is going to be Clemson, right? Like they got to beat Clemson probably once at least and maybe twice if they see them in the ACC title game. But Clemson is going to have to handle business there as well. So for us, Florida State at three. They're at Boston College this week. We'll keep an eye on them. Nothing super notable to write home about when it comes to the Knowles right now. At number two, Michigan Wolverines. Man, they got Bowling Green this week. And the way that I feel about Michigan, especially early in the year, we said it on our Sunday sprint video we did when it comes to these rankings. Like It feels like you're just having a weekly checkup with Michigan. Hey, who do you play this week? UNLV? Okay, anything look funny? Anything feel funny? Everyone healthy? All right. We will uh, we'll check back in next week and see how you look after Bowling Green. Like, we're going to learn about Michigan later in the schedule, but there's a lot of good faith built into this ranking because of what Michigan was last year and who they brought back. We know how they're built. We know who's playing quarterback. We know what's in the backfield. There's no questions about that. We're going to get a really good gauge for them later in the year when they play a Michigan and when they play Ohio State, when they they go to Michigan State in a rivalry game. Like, we'll get more data points on them. But as to this point in the year, the weekly checkup, all things coming back normal, Michigan at number two in the nothing but ball rankings. At number one, same old, same old, baby. Kind of a similar story. We got Georgia. And they're actually going to get 
some version of a test this week against South Carolina. Now they play South Carolina in Athens. South Carolina will be the toughest roster they've seen. And it may take a second for Carson Beck and Mike Bobo to totally mesh. Now they look good, but they look good against UT Martin and Ball State. So take of that as you will. All that's to say, as long as Carson Beck doesn't give the football away, they're going to be fine in this game. I'm just curious to see how he looks in this spot. Because this will be the first time where he has faced anything that resembles an SEC pass rush. So keep an eye on that. Georgia at number one. Expect them to keep rolling. They got to still bring it against South Carolina to get the result they want. But you feel pretty good about where Georgia stands right now. And obviously they are in uh, come and take it mode. Being back-to-back national champs. So that's it for us. Nothing but ball pull to quick recap for you. We got Oregon at 10. At number nine, we got Tennessee. At number eight, we got Notre Dame with a big matchup in a week or so with Ohio State. At number seven, we got Penn State. At number six, we have Ohio State, like we just mentioned. If you're unhappy with that ranking, I promise you, they will move up after that game against Notre Dame should you get the result you want if you're an Ohio State Buckeye fan. Number five, we got Texas. Just got to keep taking care of business. They've cleared their toughest hurdle. At number four, we have USC. At number three, you got Florida State. Two, you got Michigan. And number one, you got the Georgia Bulldogs. So that is the nothing but ball pull as it stands right now through week two of the college football season. You love to see it, man. You love to see it. We're starting to get more and more into these rankings and getting more data points on these teams. Week four is going to be an enormous swing week for a lot of these teams. We see what Florida State Clemson looks like. We see what Ohio State Notre Dame looks like. Heck, Colorado and Oregon, what does that look like? So it'll be a lot of fun. A lot of ball to be played here. Make sure you're getting your questions into the Keeper of the queue, Nick Brake. We're going to answer a lot of those here in just a few minutes. Want to hear from y'all. Get your, get your, uh, your takes and your questions. I think there was a hashtag trending. Not trending. That's probably a, a strong word to use. There was a hashtag in the chat going, tell JD. So you can ask me. You can tell me. Just want to hear from y'all. This is the People Show. People's College Football Show. Want y'all a part of it. And a great way to be a part of it is by getting in the chat over there and letting us know your thoughts, feelings, and concerns. Well, Ryan Day let us know how he feels about his quarterback room and said they're making the distinction to make Kyle McCord the starting quarterback for them going the rest of the way. Now, you remember, they finished fall camp. We all waited with bated breath to see who's going to be the guy. Is it going to be Kyle McCord? Is it going to be Devin Brown going into game one? And he just said, we're going to let them both play. We're going to let this thing continue to go on. They both deserve to play. So he was very happy just to say, you know, we don't have a decision right now. We feel really good about both of them. Now, going into Youngstown State, or excuse me, going into Western Kentucky after Youngstown State, they have made Kyle McCord the guy. So what does it mean for Ohio State? Maybe the better question is, what does it mean for Devin Brown? We'll unpack that all here in just a second. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you've liked the video and locked and loaded for the rest of college football season. We appreciate y'all in advance for that. So Ryan Day cited consistency being a big thing for while Kyle McCord is his guy going forward. And if we're reading between the lines here, we've talked about it for a little bit on this show and was we've been tracking this quarterback battle. It really does come down to who do you trust driving your Ferrari? Do you trust the guy who maybe goes a little bit slower based on the, you know, the, uh, the reports from Letterman Road during fall camp, the guy who is a little bit more mistake-free, or the guy that is for sure going to take that thing 90 miles an hour, but there's always the potential for him to get a flat tire every now and then. That was the report. Devin Brown, through fall camp, the more exciting scrimmages, but also the potential for the bigger mistakes. So this is Ryan Day saying, hey, I'm going to give the keys to the guy that I trust the most to not crash this vehicle. Now, if you're an Ohio State fan, optically, 
you watched the games. You said, okay, well, how did, how did you even arrive at that decision? We barely saw Devin Brown in those games. Devin Brown had like 13 pass attempts against Youngstown State. Are you really telling me that's how you're going to gauge the quarterback battle? This is never even a battle to begin with. What are you talking about? You can't tell me that's your guy if you're not even going to let him play. Not even going to let Devin Brown battle for it. I would say this, the rep distribution during these games, I think tell the story of what happened in practice. Because Devin Brown has talent off the wall. Talent off the wall, but he must have made enough mistakes behind closed doors to ultimately keep him from getting the reps that you would like him to get in a game. And that's not a knock on Devin Brown. I think this could actually be the best thing in Devin Brown's career long-term. But I think you should be encouraged by the fact that Ryan Day is going with the guy that keeps both hands on the wheel and is trusting to drive his Ferrari of an offense. So it's no knock on Devin Brown. I just think the reps that were got in the game could be misleading because of what was happening behind closed doors in practice. Like I, I don't, I, I would be enormously surprised if the reps were divvied up much less than 50-50 between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown as this thing wore on through fall camp and into those first couple of games. I think Kyle McCord earned his reps. I think Devin Brown earned his reps. And I think that's why you saw the decision that you saw. So there's also a thought that Kyle McCord is getting this job based off of seniority. Hey, he's the older guy. He's waited his turn. Why don't we throw him a bone and make him the starting quarterback? Maybe that's a factor. You know, maybe, maybe, there's, maybe there's a piece of that that played into it to start. But I'll just say this. Kyle McCord getting this job is definitively him being the better quarterback for Ohio State to go win football games. Like, if he wasn't the best option for them, he would not be the guy. The reason why I know that is you don't think Ryan Day feels the weight of the world on his shoulders with what's happening against Michigan the last two years? You don't think Ryan Day is just fuming every single time he reads that quote that Jim Harbaugh is talking about him being born on third base and acting like he hit a triple? Like You don't think that, that, that keeps him up at night? That kind of lights the fire for him a little bit every single day when they go out to practice? There is nobody on the face of this earth that wants to beat Michigan worse than Ryan Day. I promise you. I promise you. So if he's saying Kyle McCord gives us the best chance to do that, he is doing that with his best interest, with the interest of this team in mind. So it's not a thing like, hey, we just trust him because he's been here longer. No, no, no. He's saying he gives us a chance to go and beat that team. He doesn't call him Michigan. He makes sure he says the rivalry game or that team, whatever kind of label you want to put to it. And we're going to go ahead and get it done because he's our guy. So the, the, the people that I think are talking about Devin Brown I don't think it's unwarranted to say, well, what happens to him now? It, you know, the law of nature says it's very difficult to keep two quarterbacks of this caliber on your roster and the transfer portal and this, that, and the other. Like, Devin Brown could probably go start somewhere tomorrow given a couple days' notice and, and put up pretty good numbers. Like, I, I have a hard time believing that wouldn't be the case based on how talented he is. But I would also say this. This could be the best thing to happen to Devin Brown in his career. Because think about it this way. If Kyle McCord has a good year, goes to the NFL, gets drafted, let's say, anywhere in the first three rounds. Well, Devin Brown has then sat behind not one, but two NFL quarterbacks, had a chance to really learn the system, see the way that it's done, kind of eliminate some of those mistakes that kept him from getting this job. And by the time he's the guy, 
he is all that you had hoped he would be when it came to him fighting for the job this upcoming year. So Devin Brown, I think the stage is set for him to have a year behind Kyle McCord, wait his turn, trust the process. I mean, Ryan Day has set this unofficial standard for quarterbacks at Ohio State. If you play quarterback for the Buckeyes, you will be a Heisman finalist. You will be a first-round draft pick. That's kind of the way it works. Now, Kyle McCord has to uphold that standard, but even so, to say that Devin Brown's just going to dip out of town because he didn't win the job this year, I, I would be a little bit more slow to make that statement definitively. A lot of it does depend on what Kyle McCord does this year. If Kyle McCord says, hey, I got to come back for another year, well, then that conversation opens up a little bit more, so that's fair to say. But if he's able to sit behind two NFL quarterbacks, two consecutive years, that could do wonders for his maturation. Also, you're always a play away. That's always going to be the subplot for these guys. Always going to be a story when you're the quarterback at Ohio State or any high-profile institution. But for Devin Brown, I think that's very legitimate. Also, think about it this way, too. If Kyle McCord does struggle, there's not a lot of other places in the country short of LSU where you look at the backup quarterback and say, hmm, he does give us a pretty good chance to win the football game. We do feel pretty good about him taking over. So that's not Kyle McCord half-stepping now being the guy or having to play timid. But I'm just saying, if you're Devin Brown, don't think that there's you know no way that you're going to eventually be the guy at some point in the year. Now, if you're an Ohio State fan, you hope Kyle McCord's your guy going forward and this all works how you would, you would hope it to and he puts up great numbers. But I'm just saying, Devin Brown being in the wings here, not a bad thing for him. Not a thing where he's just going to watch the rest of the games. Ryan Day already said they want him to play. But just, just keep an eye on how that whole thing evolves. Now, the major question I have, and the, the thing that I think we're honestly going to see, is Kyle McCord play a little bit more free, maybe play with a little bit more confidence and push the ball downfield a little bit more. Because there's a very big difference from driving a rental car and then driving your car. Because that's where I think he's at right now, getting the keys to this offense at Ohio State. Before, it's him and Devin Brown, and they're battling more or less behind closed doors, but Kyle McCord's getting more of the reps. But all he was focused on was not scratching that door, not busting a headlight, making sure everything went how it was supposed to go. Not, not do too much, just do what's asked of you and keep this thing rolling. Well, now he's been thrown the keys and told to drive. And this, this offense at Ohio State, it's built to go 90 down the freeway. You don't need me to tell you all the freak shows they have on that offense. They got a lot of them. It's built to score points. It's built to score right around 40 points a game. We know that. Kyle McCord now has the opportunity to really take ownership of this whole system, this whole operation. I'm curious to see how that looks. Now, I don't think they open it up a ton against Western Kentucky, but that game at Notre Dame, that's the game where you say, all right, Kyle McCord, we need you. We need you to drive this thing how it's supposed to be driven because they don't win a game at Notre Dame with an average Kyle McCord, in my humble opinion. So Kyle McCord has been made definitively the guy at Ohio State. The standard is extremely high in Columbus. We all know that. I can't wait to see how he responds. I can't wait to see how the team responds to him, rather, and what Ohio State does the rest of the way now with that quarterback battle more or less being finished. Such a luxury, too, for Ohio State to have not one, but two five-star cats in that room. Must be nice. Must be nice. Tell you one thing, I am sure Alabama would have loved to have a Devin Brown somewhere on their roster this past Saturday. So I don't think they're the only ones either. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're locked in. We appreciate you in advance for that. We are live Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern as we are right now. College football 
only college football. That's how we get down, and we appreciate you being down with us in that same vein. Now, another prediction as we get rolling into the beautiful thing that is the week three slate of the college football season. A lot of people talking down on the slate, man. I don't understand that we got a good one. We got LSU going to Starkville, Mississippi to play Mississippi State. Noon kick, ESPN, LSU now favored by nine and a half points, going up a point in favor of the Tigers. For LSU, the last time we saw them on the national stage, they were getting themselves just absolutely obliterated against Florida State. Like, just kind of the way it went. Wasn't good. We got to see them get back on track here. They beat Grambling last week. We got to see them play an opponent with a more substantial pulse, a Power 5 team, an SEC West team, get back on track, kind of pack it in here, get, get everything headed the right direction. Now, for Mississippi State, this is a chance for them to make a statement. Because a lot of people with the microphone, myself included, have our reservations about Mississippi State. I'll tell you more about that as we go on throughout this prediction. They got a big win last week in overtime against Arizona. Defense forced a lot of turnovers. Will Rogers threw less than 20 passes. I couldn't tell you the last time that happened in his career in Starkville. They're shifting now from this air raid attack to more pro style. There's still spread concepts in there, obviously, but they're shifting how they do things. So... All that's to be said, a lot of storylines here, a lot at stake for both teams. This could be a, a fork in the road moment for both teams. Should LSU lose this game? Holy smokes. The, the pressure in Baton Rouge, not on Brian Kelly in terms of like a hot seat or anything like that, but just like, a, oh my gosh, what happened to last year? What is, what is going on within this team to where they lose on the road to a team like Mississippi State, who's going to, according to Vegas, fight scratch claw to make a bowl game for Mississippi State what a statement that would be for them to say we know what you said about us all off season long JD we heard you talking we're not worried about it go ahead and quiet down we just took down the SEC West champs that would be the way they would like to live I promise you that the matchup for me in this game is Will Rogers who we mentioned a minute ago probably going to finish his career as the SEC's all-time leading passer that is a very big honor to have against this LSU secondary like I said last time we saw this LSU secondary they got 342 hung on them from Jordan Travis and company at Florida State now Florida State they got some more toys at wide receiver that I don't think Mississippi State has but even so man Will Rogers he can hurt you if you don't if you don't plaster and plaster is is a football term to make sure that you are on your guy man-to-man like you're plastered to him That has to be the case for LSU. They've got good talent in the back end, but Will Rogers, man, he can put it anywhere he wants when it comes to delivering the football. Keep an eye on that because if they're able to have success through the air, they're going to be able to do what they ultimately want to do at Mississippi State, which sounds weird. They want to run the football. They're more of a pro-style attack now. They ran for over 100 yards last week. They want to run the football, but I think Will Rogers being able to keep that box honest and keep that safety play right around 10 yards, 9 yards, that's going to be how they do it. Even so, I don't love the front seven matchup from Mississippi State, but that would be how they'd be able to create some opportunities in the run game and have some balance. So, the other thing that I'm looking at in this game, Jaden Daniels and his legs, I think, is going to be a very big X factor in this game. You go back and watch that game, Mississippi State against Arizona, and went to overtime. A different Jaden for Arizona, Jaden Delora, made a lot of plays with his legs. Didn't really show up in the box score quite as much. Didn't have a great stat line, but you could tell when you watched him on tape, when he broke contain and got his eyes downfield, a lot of good things happened for Arizona. 
So how does Mississippi State adapt this upcoming weekend? Because Jaden Daniels now, no disrespect to Jaden Delora, Jaden Daniels is a different beast when it comes to what he can do throwing the football downfield. And if he's able to kind of keep those second level of the Mississippi State defense at bay, if he's able to keep those linebackers in a bind and get those safeties off balance, there's going to be some very big plays happening with broken plays for LSU. Because he'll break contain, and those receivers from LSU, Malik Neighbors, for example, will stay on course, separate, and they're going to have big plays a lot of the time if they don't get that fixed for Mississippi State. That's a very, very big area of opportunity for LSU. The other part of this, we talk about LSU a lot in the sense of having to be balanced. If they can stay balanced, man, like that is the end-all be-all for them. When they're able to have a multiple attack running the football, meaning that stable of running backs kind of gets going as well as Jaden Daniels in that zone read game, well, then you have to commit numbers to the box. Then you have to have extra support in the run game. And when that happens, that's when Jaden Daniels has to live up to this headline all offseason long about him needing to cut it loose. We've said that multiple times. We sat down with him at SEC Media Day and said, hey, a lot of people are saying you'll need to be more explosive, you need to throw the football downfield much more. Like, what do you think about that? And he told us, yeah, that's, that's a thing we have to do. When we have one-on-one matchups, I got to trust our guys to go make plays. This is the kind of game where that quote has to show itself. It's one thing to say you got to trust your guys. It's a whole other thing to cut it loose on third and six to extend the play and, and to take a shot deep to win the football game. Like, that's what I think you probably need from Jaden Daniels in this kind of football game. Now, you would hope those stakes aren't quite as high that you're taking a shot to win the football game. But even so, there's going to be opportunity. I want to see him pull the trigger in this game. How they get to pull the trigger? Having something in the run game with that running back room. So here's the interesting thing for me. The hinge point, and it's weird to say with Mississippi State now, but hang with me. The hinge point is I think both teams want to be physical. Mississippi State, you think of the air raid approach, that's not what they're doing anymore. They want to be more pro style. They want to run the football. They want to make you commit numbers and try and meet them in the box. My concern there is Mississippi State wasn't necessarily buyers when it came to the transfer portal. They didn't add a bunch of new pieces. So a lot of the guys from that team last year are still there. But the guys that were on that team last year, the guys that didn't leave via the portal, and they actually lost quite a few through the portal, I should say, the guys that didn't leave were committed to an air raid system. So you have air raid pieces, and now you're trying to run a pro-style attack. That concerns me a little bit. I think Will Rogers has to throw the football upwards of 25 times to win this game for them because that's their best approach offensively in my mind. Now the receivers got to step it up a little bit and they got to make sure they win that battle against LSU's inexperienced secondary. But even so, man, if LSU doesn't give the football away multiple times, I have a hard time seeing a world where LSU doesn't win this football game. Their pieces in the front seven are just too good. Harold Perkins, we know what he is. Makai Wingo, we know what he is. Like you go down the line here, the depth at LSU within that front seven is going to be too much for Mississippi State. So it falls in the offense. Don't give the football away. If Mississippi State has a multiple turnover kind of game on defense, then things get interesting. Because then those cowbells, they start ringing. And there's there's a lot of noise on, on the condensed game footage you're watching back and saying, man, how did we give this one away? Well, you threw two picks and fumbled two other times. That's how you lost the football game. Even so, I think LSU is going to have something to prove in this game think they want to get that taste out of their mouth from what happened against Florida State 
I think they play a clean football game. I think you see Jaden Daniels actually uncork it in this game and try and push the ball downfield more like we talked about all offseason long. This is the opportunity for that. I think he does it. We like LSU to win this football game. We like LSU to cover final score 34-24. So a half point there, LSU covers, and the Tigers get a big win in SEC play to get things headed the right direction in year two under Brian Kelly. It'll be a fun one, man. That'll be a fun one. I'm telling you, people say the slate's sleepy. I don't think it's sleepy by any stretch of the imagination. You got that one. You got Missouri, Kansas State. We got Washington, Michigan State, which is becoming more interesting as things progress in East Lansing. Keep an eye on that one now. Keep an eye on that one. Also, if everyone could like the video, we greatly appreciate it. We got a nice little streak going now. Almost 20 shows in a row of 100 likes before we get off the air. So we're at 58 right now. If everyone that's watching right now could like the video, we'd be well over 100. So we'd appreciate that if y'all would uh, go ahead and take that upon yourself to keep that streak alive. Let's get it over 100. All right, now, let's get to y'all's questions and thoughts and concerns. I want to hear from y'all. The great part about this show and the great part about what we've done here so far, and I say we in terms of us on this side, but you as well, that's we when I talk about we, uh, there's been a community that has been developed and a great part of this is hearing from y'all. So whether it's via Twitter, whether it's via Instagram, been able to incorporate a lot of y'all's questions and takes concerns into this show. We wanna keep that going. So follow me there in order to get all your questions, takes concerns into this show. We wanna hear from y'all, but a great way to do that is also hearing through y'all on the live chat right now. So to break it down via the live chat, producer for the hard count, heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick break. Nick, how we doing, brother? What's up, man? You're looking good. People on the podcast are missing out. I say it all the time, man. Hey, sure are. It is dude. what it is. Hey, first question. JD, I think I know. Nothing? You're not giving me anything there? I say you're looking good. You're just, all right, first question, bro. No problem. What, what no do you problem. want me to say, man? Just like, yeah, I woke up. I feel good. I look good. Yeah, I woke I up like this. I, I did not brush my hair this morning. Okay. Okay. Well, brush my teeth. Put on this old uh, On Three Elite Series. Uh, looks good on you. I'm just saying, I'm ready, man. man. I'm just saying. Okay, this question has been asked three times. <laughs> We're off to a hot start here. We are, huh? man. Uh, Gavin really wants to know, J.D., Georgia or the field? For the national championship? Yes. Before the season, I would have said Georgia. After seeing Texas, after seeing Florida State, I have a hard time not going with the field right now. And that's not really fair because we haven't seen Georgia play anybody just yet. We'll, we'll ask me again week six and we'll have a better answer for you. Nick, I have a hard time not going with the field right now. I mean, Texas looked awesome. You had Florida State in your playoff preseason, did you not? That that pick sure looks did. real good right now. Sure did. Notre Dame looks good. Like, there's a lot of teams here where I'm like, oh boy, I don't know if I want to see them in November. I don't know if I want to see them in January or New Year's Eve when there's the college football playoff. Like, that would make me nervous, personally. So, I, I think that was a good pick by you, Nick, having a FSU in your, in your preseason top four so i'll take the field right now but a great question there from our guy yeah my preseason top four alabama was not in and i guess i was i don't know why i said alabama georgia michigan usc that's kind of the one i'm worried about and then florida state but uh jd they're gonna have a chance dude they're gonna be dangerous in every game i really believe that yeah i really believe that we'll hey see. we're about uh sorry to interrupt you nick we're about 22 likes away from 100 if y'all could just get us over 100 we would appreciate that greatly and we'll keep this streak alive as we are almost 20 shows in a row so not concerned. Y'all will do it. Thank you in advance. Just wanted to get that plug in there for everyone tuned in. Okay. Good, good, good point. Uh, next question. Rocky Top Tom 
SJD, JD, more impressive that Texas decimated Bama in Tuscaloosa, or more shocking, that Colorado hasn't been beaten any or hasn't beaten anyone worth anything, but is still being hyped like corned beef for the storyline. <laughs> That's uh I don't know that expression. That is bait. <laughs> that is bait for sure, Rocky Top Tom. I mean, I think Texas was extremely impressive. Like for them to go in there and win by ten. People were saying things like that, like, hey, Texas by 10 in Tuscaloosa. And, I mean, there was a path there, I guess, when you look at the matchups and how it could happen. But, like, I was so impressed by the lines of scrimmage from Texas. Like, that was a game where Texas probably could have scored another touchdown at the end of the game if they wanted to. That was a game where Texas was the one that was pushing on the final drive to keep picking up first downs. And, I mean, to be able to have that kind of showing in Tuscaloosa, not in Austin, in Tuscaloosa, I was really impressed by now Colorado credit Colorado man because there's been a lot of talk all offseason long and I took part in that of like hey it's going to take some time going to take some time for coach prime they got some talent yes but that's a brand new roster let's give them a minute and they said take your minute back we don't want it we're going to go ahead and start out 2-0 and uh, have college game day coming for Colorado State so that's uh that's how we feel about that I'm impressed by both but I think Texas is more impressive just by the nature of, of how they got it done Okay, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this next question is good. Um, well, now I've got to find it. J.D., uh, you mind plugging the likes one Not more time? Not at all. If we could, we get over, I mean, we're what, less than 10? Yeah, if y'all could like it. the video, that'd be tremendous. We appreciate you. Also, if you could follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, not just because I appreciate the, the follows, but I mean, actually, that helps us kind of solidify this community. Tell a friend, lock in. We got ball Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern college football it's only college football it's none of that stuff where you have to wait for like another segment of the college football world to get talked about we're not hitting nba we're not hitting nfl just college football all right so lock it in thank you in advance for for being locked in and uh for following us on those socials as well JD, five blocks away nick how about that we're not just six, uh six. college football we do talk a lot of kickball uh during this yeah. last, last segment that is um, true but, J.D., you did give me enough time to find the question I was looking for. Jaden asked a good one. Joe and the Tennessee wide receiver core had a slow first half. What does a slow start look like this week in Gainesville? Looks different than last week. That's, that's for sure. Because the thing for Florida is they would prey on a slow start. Like the thing with Utah and how they beat Florida. Yes, you know, Florida had their own issues and they shot themselves in the foot. But that first play, deep shot to Money Parks, at that point in time, when they scored on the very first play, 70-yard bomb, see you later, like at that point, Florida's game plan started to go out the window because then you can't play game control. Then you can't play, okay, run the football and play good defense because you're already down a touchdown. you got to start to match scores. Now, a big part of that also is you can't panic if you're Florida and you go down a score. But even so, like a slow start for Tennessee would be playing into Florida's hands. I said it before, I'll say it again. If they can have a quick start, if they can hit on a few deep passes early, that's going to build confidence for Joe Milton. That's going to build an edge for Tennessee. They're going to start to feel a little bit lighter with the burden of 20 years never won in the swamp on their back. Like that's going to be, uh, it's going to kind of unravel pretty quickly if they're able to to get something going there in the pass game vertically right away. So that's that's a very very big part of it. Nick can't mm-hmm. start slow. Can't start slow if you're Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Biggie Bull asked JD, why is Ohio State such a plug and play quarterback system? but they get in the NFL and they don't bring starlight to their teams. Yeah, that's a fair question. I think there is some wait and see with Justin Fields and, and what he is. Truthfully, I haven't watched an NFL game since the Super Bowl, so 
And I guess we've only had one. It's only week. been like so. I guess 12. that's not really a great a great comp. Uh, I watched the Super Bowl and maybe nothing else last year when it came to the NFL. I'll track it, but I think one thing you got to look at for Ohio State is the the lower half of the Big Ten is not extremely difficult for Ohio State with the way they recruit. And I think that's probably the biggest piece you talk about with Ohio State is how well they've recruited across, you know, the receiver position and the line of scrimmage and the running backs, like you walk in there as the quarterback and you're probably highly recruited already for the quarterback and you have got a lot of pieces to work with i mean you're throwing to marvin harrison jr you're throwing to emeka egbuka you're throwing to jack smith and jigba a season ago like th- those are pieces that definitely can help the stat sheet and make your job a lot easier but also i mean they just recruit good quarterbacks nick like they- they've recruited elite talent year in and year out and it kind of compounds on itself so i think you know the whole question about the nfl is just kind of a matter of having the right guy to do it. I mean, you could say the same thing about Alabama a couple of years ago when Alabama's recruiting really well and winning all these national championships, but you're like, what's well, Jacob Coker? Well, it's Blake Sims. Like, why isn't there anybody in the NFL doing it for, for Alabama? And then now you've got like, what, three or four guys that are all starting spots for, for NFL teams. So curious to see how this looks in a couple of years for Ohio State, but I think it's really just a matter of time. I don't think it's a thing internally where Ohio State's not like preparing these guys to go be successful in the NFL. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, JD, how many more you got? Let's go. Let's go two more. Okay. Let's go two more. Let's get over 100 likes. Let's, I'll say this. Let's get one. If we get over 100, we'll go two. Okay. We Sounds got good. three likes left. So thank well, you Matthew, for getting that. Uh, Matthew, this is a new um, person asking a question. Welcome, Matthew. Uh, ask JD, what was your thought on Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin game? I thought that there were questionable calls at the end, uh, end of the day, a good game for WSC. Yeah, for for Washington State to beat Wisconsin, <laughs> I mean, I, I was extremely, extremely high on Wisconsin going into the year. I don't think a ton of new things about Wisconsin. I just think it's going to take them a little bit longer to mesh. So hats off to Washington State. They got a good quarterback in Cam Ward. Like, it wasn't like Washington State's just trotting out there with nobody. But for Wisconsin, you got to kind of figure it out here a little bit quicker because you do have to play Ohio State here in October. So... I don't know if you want to take too much from that game. It's only week two. Still like your pieces. Still like Tanner Mordecai. Still love Braylon Allen. But just just give it a little bit longer to mesh there. And uh, and I think you'll be in good shape long term. Luke Fickle's a winner, man. Luke Fickle's a winner. So I thought it'd be this year. It still might be. You know, mm-hmm. they still have every chance to do something in the Big Ten. The Big Ten West, you can make that conference title game at like eight and four. So it's not out of the picture at all. They haven't lost a Big Ten game yet. But we'll see how they mesh a little bit later in the year, especially that game against Ohio State. Nick, we're over 100. Y'all, we thank you it. so much. We appreciate y'all for that. It just helps us do more of what you want to see when you like the video because it pushes the video to more people. So thank you in advance for that, and thank you for getting that done. Uh, one more, Nick. What do you say? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Slade Swan says, J.D., what are your thoughts on the Mizzou-K-State game? Will, ha- Will, excuse me, Will, Will Howard's statement game. That's like a question that confused me. Yeah, this might be one that we have to predict tomorrow, honestly. Because yeah. this is one, I think the line is somewhere around four and a half, so tight game. Definitely a statement kind of game for Will Howard and company. Playing an SEC foe. I mean, I, I have to do some more work on this game, to be honest with y'all, but I'm curious to see how this Kansas State offense looks because now there's no Deuce Vaughn. Now you have a real opponent on the other side of the football. Like, are you able to still run your run-committed kind of approach? if that makes sense. Like Kansas State has looked the same since Colin Klein was playing quarterback for them. And now Colin Klein's the offensive coordinator for Kansas State. They want to run the football. 
They want to play tough defense, and they want to squeeze the life out of the football game. Deuce Vaughn was one reason why they were so successful running the football last year. What do they look like this coming year? Probably more falls on Will Howard's shoulders to be able to push the ball downfield. But nonetheless, maybe we'll predict that one tomorrow. And uh, regardless, that'll be a good one. Another good one, Nick. People are saying it's a sleepy slate. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Nick, appreciate you, man. Hey, opening day for you. New, new season for the kickball. Yep. It's going to happen tonight. We feeling good? I am. Guys, look, if you, if you know of adult kickball, you know there's not much excitement there. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I'm fired up. I'm fired <laughs> up. I can't wait to get in here tomorrow and talk about your stat line because I think that's going to be uh, yeah. going to be a good time. But Nick, nonetheless, appreciate you, brother. We'll uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, yeah. See you then. Good luck, Legatron. I'm telling you, man, just hits dingers. That's all he does. Nick, break producing everything you see here, playing really good kickball at night. Just a true man of the people, a program guy, if you will. Appreciate y'all being tuned in. We are live tomorrow morning, same time, 11 a.m. Eastern. Tell a friend, bring them with you. Say it's college football season. I need you locked in. This is how we're going to lock in together by meeting with this community, being a part of this program, and getting ready for the college football weekend. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We will see y'all tomorrow morning. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.